to the Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Marketed Choice is a proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local craft makers to reinvent the way food and beverage products get to market in Oregon. Our vision is to inspire, mentor, support, and assist local producers to reach their fullest potential. For over 40 years, Marketed Choice has been supporting our local farmers, ranchers, fisher folk, and entrepreneurs. We believe the way we source products has a positive ripple effect across our great state. That's why we are proud to offer over 7,000 local products to our stores, and the majority of those purchases support our robust regional food system. Thank you, Marketed Choice. Well, good morning, everybody. Hello, and welcome to Masonian Marshall Meaningful Marketplace. Thanks for joining us as we hear the stories of female food entrepreneurs. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Masoni of Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences Food Innovation Center. <laughs> you have such a long official title. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they're one of our sponsors, so it's good to get them in once in a while. Yeah, give them the props. Uh, yeah. We're glad everyone joined us live today. We're honoring our social distancing and calling in for the show. As we're a live radio show, we think it's important for us to be here with stories of hope and inspiration for our listeners out there. Sarah, I um, was checking out your Instagram, and did you go to TMK? creamery oh yes i did you did so yes. it's it's open right for people yeah you to can go? go there from three to seven seven thirty and get the soft serve well i saw that they were serving the soft serve with your waffle cones is that right Yep, my husband's waffle cones yep. are there. Yep. That's so cool. So everybody can go get the Moscone cone waffle cones at TMK Creamery. And I did look up their hours once I saw it because I wanted to be able to tell people when they were open. So they're open Wednesday through Friday from 4.30 to 7.30. Okay. Or Saturdays from 10 to 3. And they're oh. not Sundays. So don't try to go on Sunday. <laughs> well, bring a freezer bag with you and plan if you're a meat eater, plan to get some ground beef. Um, you can get a pound for five bucks and they have some really interesting hot dog sausages. I haven't tried them yet, but I got a pack of those are five bucks too. And then they have T-bone steaks and I cooked the T-bones last night and they were delicious and tender. That's so awesome. Cause they're, cause they uh, butcher the animals there, right? It's their meat. Well, they have a cattle ranch down in Klamath Falls. Yeah. So did they have um, their vodka there, too, that people could get? Actually, the vodka sold out. They haven't produced um, the company that's manufacturing for them changed into a hand sanitizer company. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's been pretty common for some of those distillers out there to try to get it because there was a shortage of hand sanitizer. Yeah, so I mean, pivoted. You got to go where you got to go when you got to yeah. go there. So. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm going to try to go check it out and visit them and our listeners can do that too. I do have a little bit of food news for us today. Okay. So um, we wanted to tell everybody about an organization. They're doing some cool things for the community. So they're called Black Feast and they're, um, it's a culinary event celebrating African-American artists and writers through food. So they're putting together some boxes to donate to people. Mm -hmm. It's called Love Letters to Black Folks. And so if there's any food makers out there that want to donate any product to those boxes, they can um, DM. It's uh, They're on Instagram and it's just at black.feast. So at blackfeast.com. So you can do that on, on Instagram. That's cool. Yeah. And if hey. anybody... Oh, do you have some food news? I wanted to ask you a question. Yeah. 
I saw you were at the Whale Cove Inn for dinner. Oh, mm-hmm. restaurant back. I've never been there. Can you tell us? I saw, was there tuna and all sorts of yummy? Yeah, so... Match? So I so Restaurant Beck has been around for a while, and their restaurant is in Depot Bay at the Whale Cove Inn, and it's um, Chef Justin Wills is the chef there, and he has two places. He has a um, like pasta uh, pizza place in Newport, and then he has Restaurant Beck, and so they um, their whole deal is that they um, forage a lot of the stuff from the Oregon coast that's there. So you know you'll if you they have a tasting menu that you can do. Uh, we didn't do it because we brought our daughter and I knew that that would take too long. She can only be good for like an hour. <laughs> um, but their restaurant is open and they're just seating. I think it's five tables in their restaurant a night. And um, you can definitely expect things like they'll do like sea beans and they'll like shave seaweed and do like a huckleberry ice cream, like all these local things that they forage from the area. Wow. So it's really cool and very special and it's beautiful because it's on the cove. Yeah. Um, so it's like the best view. And yeah, it's really lovely. I had only been there one other time for like our 10 year anniversary, but oh. then since they were open and they were doing a different kind of format menu, we decided to go try it and it was really wonderful. I would it's recommend now it. on my bucket list. Yeah, you should go for sure. And <clears> I would <throat> say I would recommend doing the tasting menu, but they also have like just a regular menu you can do too. Yum. Yeah. Um, if any of our food friends out there have news they want us to announce, you can submit those to startupradionetwork.com or you can just message us on Instagram at Masonian Marshall. We'll help spread the word about any of your food news. But we are joined with a special guest today. So we have Becky Westby of Oregon Fruit Products here. Becky, we're so glad that you could join us today. Yes, Welcome. It's wonderful. Well, thank you. It's uh, wonderful to be here with you. And we want to help connect our listeners to other makers and new customers. Can you tell us the social media handles for um, Oregon Fruit Products? Um, we have our website at um, OregonFruit.com. Um, we have a Facebook page saying uh, Oregon Fruit. And then our Twitter and Instagram are also Oregon Fruit. Very simple. Perfect. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, only, you know, just one Oregon fruit. Yeah, just one. Yeah. And we, what is your role there? Um, I'm the senior director of sales. So I head up our food service division, our um, ingredients for manufacturing, and our international sales. So I have a very wide umbrella. Yeah, you do a lot of things. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, how long has Oregon Fruit Products been around? Well, we started in 1935. So we really do have a legacy brand, um, both for the state of Oregon and then, of course, um, domestically. Our canned products are in about 25,000 grocery outlets across the U.S., Wow. Wow. You may um, be the biggest manufacturer we've had on the show so far. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm pretty exciting. sure they are. Yeah, <laughs> which is cool. And so how do the products get, if you're, if you're in all those different locations, how do they get from, from you to other places? What kind of distribution do you? Well, we um, have national distribution through whatever chain we're working with. And then we also um, use some um, redistributors uh, across the U.S. So, um, you know, we actually um, are in Dot Foods, which gives us access to um, hundreds of retailers in addition to the big chains that we work with. Can you tell us about Dot Foods? I think a lot of people would love to know what, what is Dot Foods? Uh, they are a redistributor. They actually started in the candy and confectionery uh, part of the business and have really had um, a very interesting, I would say, metamorphosis over the years. But they distribute it to um, chain accounts, to big retailers, to convenience stores. So uh, they basically bulk products together by truckload and then are able to get those to your individual distributors at a lower cost because it's all truckload. They have a, a great um, 
a really great uh, network of customers that they work with, highly trained staff. Um, it's really a, been a very good thing for us. Can I ask you about that? Does Dot Foods and the distribution networks, do they want you to deliver your product to their warehouses or do they come and pick it up? So both. We have both. We have some where we deliver, some pick up. Uh, for Dot, they pick up at um, our warehouse in Salem. And, uh, you know, we use them primarily for food service. But, of course, they do everything. They do some retail for us. And um, they have an industrial ingredients division and an international division as well. That's interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. And you mentioned um, being in Salem. Is that where the facility is located? We are in a brand new, beautiful building in Salem, Oregon. That's always been our home, um, I guess, for the last 83 years. We were located in West Salem and then just recently um, renovated the NORPAC number no. seven plant in um, the um, kind of the uh, southeast side of Salem. So we're right by the airport and uh, we have this beautiful 160,000 square foot facility in a nice, um, hopefully one day to be an Oregon fruit campus. I went there on the opening day. You had a celebration. And I think it was one of the biggest warehouses I ever went into. And it's super tall. Like it's as tall as a football field is long. And as wide as maybe, I don't know how many football fields, but it's (laughs) enormous. It is big. I, I think the wonderful thing about that particular location is the ability to um, be able to take another, um, what I consider to be historical part of that whole agricultural uh, community, which is Norpac Foods, and to be able to repurpose their building. And we did take it down to the steel girders and the cement floor, but, but you know, it, it really has been such a big and important part of the community that, and we felt honored to be able to restore it and uh, create another, hopefully 85 years uh, producing in that facility. So when I just graduated from Oregon State University in the 80s, I went and visited the old Oregon fruit products (laughs) facility. Right. And the one thing that sticks out in my mind isn't like the processing lines or anything like that. What sticks out in my mind was the door to get into the place. It was like eight inches thick. It was like you were going into a castle. (laughs) That's true. That door is still there. It's still there. (laughs) Yes. It's not Um, going anywhere. Yes. And that uh, site was really interesting because as we grew, we added on. So it, it looks like one of those renovation projects that had gone bad. Yeah, <laughs> we had lots of, you know, buildings, sub buildings, uh, warehouses that we'd added on freezer space. But now we're in this beautiful brand new facility, new offices and lots of room to expand as we grow. That's wonderful. Well, we have a lot of, um, you know, small food processors who are our listeners, but we wanted to kind of talk about the process that you go through for what you do, even though it's probably on a really big scale, it might be similar to what some of our listeners do. But do you, um, so you're not a farm, but you're getting fruit from local farms, right? We're processors. Yeah. And that has really been kind of the mainstay of our business for so many years. So we contract with growers throughout um, Oregon and Washington, specifically in the Northwest for um, dark specialty fruit, the berries and cherries. And then we now, because of the way our business has grown, are um, contracting across the US and then domestically around the world or internationally around the world to uh, be able to source the fruit that customers want, um, you know, no mango, in uh, Oregon. Or guava. Uh, Right, or guava. (laughs) Uh, So, but kiwi, we got little mini kiwis, so I I think that's pretty exciting. But um, really, 
our whole, you know, basis of business is the fact that we have access to such amazing fruit um, in Oregon. So yeah. we, Sarah and I were chatting before you came on and we were talking about some of the interesting things you can buy from Oregon fruit. And the one that I was thinking about was the canned grapes. Yes. <laughs> and Sarah brought up one, what was it, gooseberries, Sarah? Gooseberries, gooseberries. yeah. Oh, my goodness. Now, I'm going to tell you a really interesting story. Okay, good. So, um, <laughs> our gooseberries are featured at Disney. Oh. Yes, they are in the Princess Castle, and they are in a gooseberry pie. Now, the story goes that Snow White had really hurt Grumpy's feelings. And she thought to make it up to him, she would make him his favorite dessert, which was gooseberry pie. And it's actually in the book, in the story. So she goes to work making this amazing gooseberry pie. And before she's able to serve it to him, the Wicked Witch comes along and gives her that poison apple. Oh. So she never gets to present it to him. So now Disney features that pie uh, using our gooseberries in uh, several of their restaurants. And actually Snow White comes out and serves it when um, children order it. <laughs> wow. That's really cool. I didn't know that. Story. My So... I've never had gooseberry pie. Have you, Sarah? I have, actually. I have you a have? friend in Eastern Oregon. You can buy gooseberries over there. And <clears throat> she's made gooseberry pie for me, my friend Karen. We we see gooseberries at the farmer's market. Um, you know, I think they're actually in season right now. Um, right. And people always, usually just will eat them fresh. But I've never really known of a gooseberry pie until I saw it on the Oregon fruit website. And now I know it's in the Snow White story as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, if you go onto our website, you'll also see gooseberry cocktails, um, gooseberry jam. So there's so many different things you can do with gooseberries. Now they are a bit tart. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you, if, unless I can't imagine people eating those raw, Truthfully, they're so yeah, pretty tart. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. But they make a great dessert. And what do people do with the canned grapes? Uh, a lot of people use those in salad recipes. And so um, there was a commissioner that came and did a um, tour of our facility. And we took him on the, the actual warehouse tour and he saw the canned grapes and literally I saw tears in his eyes because oh. he said his grandmother did this um, green grape um, gelatin dessert for Thanksgiving <laughs> every year. And that was his fondest memory of her. So, of course, um, we couldn't give him a case because there's an issue <laughs> With that, so we sold him a case of um, green grapes uh, so that he could uh, duplicate his grandmother's recipe because she had long passed. Okay, well that's good. <laughs> I was telling Sarah and my mom every once in a while when I was a kid would give me a dollar and send me down to the corner store to buy a can of tart cherries. So, and she would make pie with those cherries in Minnesota. That is our number one seller. And uh, it between that red tart cherries and dark sweet cherries, that is um, what we are known for. We're really trying to move consumers today um, from making a pie to understanding that red tart cherries are the most amazing snacking cherry that um, you can eat. And um, we have a new product coming out with uh, them um, packed in juice. So great uh, health halo and delicious at the same time. Yeah, that's can really you, cool. Can you tell us, Becky, because I've actually traveled with you to food shows and stuff. I want to know how you innovate because you're very creative and you have spent some time figuring out how to use these different fruits that Oregon fruit products have. Can you tell us a little bit about how you do that? 
Well, I think my process is a combination of uh, just natural curiosity and then um, really working hard to understand where consumers are today and then trying to determine how best to use our product to meet consumer needs. So that kind of goes across the board with our canned products, so the, the dark specialty fruit. And then on the food service side, you know, we are doing a, a couple of different um, frozen items. We have frozen purees, and then we have fruit and hand original, which is the one of a kind item in the world um, that we sell uh, of, across the US to major restaurant chains, as well as internationally, to um, some of the, the larger chains that we see in Asia. And what so, is the fruit in hand? Isn't that a prepared fruit? It is. It's a formulated product. So it's diced fruit with just a little bit of cane sugar and enough water so you can actually pour the fruit from the bottle. So it gives you the benefit of um, diced or muddled fruit for cocktails or culinary application with virtually no labor. And then you get consistency because every bottle pours exactly the same. It's fun to work with. And I think that's where we've, I've been the most creative because you can really do some very interesting uh, cocktails, both non-alcoholic and alcoholic. And you'll see our products in um, local chains as well as um, inter, uh, national chains across the United States. The, the bigger chains that um, you would see, um, you know, driving down the freeway. I was um, looking at mm -hmm. your recipes that you had posted and I saw that you do um, suggest people do bellinis with that pourable fruit. And that's my husband's favorite cocktail. Oh, <laughs> and um, he likes to have, it's like, you know, where they put fruit on the bottom and then sparkling wine mm -hmm. or champagne or whatever. Um, that's his favorite thing. And then it's nice because my daughter really likes it too, but we just make one for her with sparkling water. So I'm going to try to find the fruit spread and make those because I think they'll be really into it. <laughs> I think I see samples coming your way. Oh, good. <laughs> Give me a taste tester. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I, I really liked how your guys' recipes were set up because um, it's very easy. You have nice photos and videos and, um, you know, the navigation of it is really simple. Sometimes with recipe sites, it's a little hard to like load the recipe or load the video, but yours was very, um, very well done. So it was really well, good. Actually, uh, about August 15th, we will have a new and improved version of our website. So um, coming soon and uh, with, with really a lot more information, not only on our retail products, but also um, on the food service items and then on our, um, you know, ingredients part of the, the business. Oh, that's cool. It's a good, it's a good website, but, um, but I just wanted to compliment you guys Thank on the you. recipes. They're really nice. One of the cool things that I think Oregon fruit has done is you've made smaller um, pack sizes and your minimum orders are small enough that our, some of our food entrepreneurs can actually buy exotic fruits from you without having to buy a whole pallet. Can you tell us about that? Well, um, and, I, you know, it's been um, really great fun working with uh, some of the um, smaller manufacturers that Sarah has sent our way. But um, we do a couple of things. First of all, when we're working with a, a startup, especially, we will sample you anything you want so that you can test you can do um, small batch production so you can see how our products work in your formulas. And that gets you started to know exactly how our products work and if they work specifically in your application. And then the second part is that we have a small bag in a box aseptic product. Yes. We have 22 different flavors of fruit that come in that pack size. And it's perfect for your smaller manufacturers who are really doing custom batches and smaller batches. There's no waste that way. Simple to handle. You don't need any 
uh, specific equipment. You literally just hold the nozzle and that's all there is to it. And so um, we also have um, R&D staff available to help with um, manufacturers who maybe haven't worked with um, aseptic purees in the past. But uh, that particular product line is shelf stable. So it, um, it helps with shipping, with storage. Um, and again, you're getting all of these amazing fruits uh, in a very convenient packaging. And then as you grow, we do drums and totes. So you can start small and we can continue to supply you as your manufacturing needs change. Yeah, and if you put Oregon fruit products in your product, of course, you're going to grow. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I love the stories of, um, especially the brewing side of our business for fermentation, of literally uh, brewers who start in their garage. You know, they're home brewers. They perfect something. They may win a home brewing a competition, and then the next thing you know, they're doing um, a smaller, uh, but maybe open to the public, a type of brewery. And then the next thing you know, they're buying totes, and they're bought purchased by some giant mega brewing company. <laughs> so, uh, but it's fun to watch people grow. Um, on that side of the business, we're very fortunate. We have um, a huge amount of um, technical expertise. So we have um, people that can help every step of the way for um, the fermentation side of our business. Same thing if it's for manufacturing, we have a team of, of experts to support your business. That's good. That's really cool. Um, we're gonna take a quick break and I wanna come back and just talk a little bit more about um, how brewers use the product because I think it's important. We have a lot of uh, manufacturers that would maybe benefit from that. So we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace. Committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation new economic opportunities, and new experiences because food brings people together. What is your favorite beer using Oregon fruit? Um, well, let's see. You know, one of the things that I personally worked on, you know, um, it's like any business. And, you know, when I started um, talking with you about doing this um, session, uh, they said, oh, you know, female entrepreneurs. And I thought, well, gosh, I'm not really an entrepreneur now. Oh, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I was at one time. Uh, I, I say that I started out as an entrepreneur um, 45 years ago, but I used to handle fermentation as well. And I used to think to myself, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to drink a whole lot more beer so that I really understand this business. But I loved, uh, we did a, um, a blue moon. It was called First Peach, First Peach Harvest. And it is truly one of my favorites. And I, I can tell you there are literally 4,000 brewers across the U.S. And uh, we've got even more in Canada. And then now uh, Japan, China, Korea, all using our fruit to make uh, fruit forward beers. Um, we really thought when we started this that it might be just a little fad and it would have its day and we would be happy we had the business, but it continues to grow. Um, we, like I said, we have so many small brewers um, that have now become big brewers and have been so successful. And, you know, I could, I mean, if you come to the office um, you'll see a whole line of different uh, beers that are um, people who've used our product. And, you know, traditionally, once you start with uh, organ fruit, you stay. And because we have so many uh, products to offer, so many different flavors of fruit, it gives um, an opportunity to constantly create 
seasonal offerings for your brewing customers. And now we've really expanded into uh, other parts of fermentation like kombucha, um, hard sodas and seltzers and things of that nature. That's what I was thinking it would be good for um, because there are so many, we've had a couple of kombucha makers on the show and um, that it would be really great for them because you have not only the organ fruit, but if they were expanding to other places, but you have kind of exotic fruits that they can add to the things that they're brewing too, which I thought was really cool. And it's nice. People can see that on your website as well. Sometimes it's funny with, um, with companies that are selling things like wholesale or to like makers, they a lot of times won't put any of that on their website. Like you have to contact someone directly, which is a little bit challenging because it's like when you are researching to do a new product as a maker, you want to, you want to be able to see what your options are. And sometimes it's, you know, for me, I always do that kind of stuff late at night. So (laughs) it was nice to be able to see what kinds of things you had for people. (laughs) Well, and it's easy. It's, we've got shop for brewing, um, right on our website. Mm -hmm. So you can go in, you can see all the products we have available you can see the cost. You can actually order. And uh, we have low minimums. Two boxes is all you need to order. And um, it's a very, very simple process. Most orders ship within a day or two. And uh, it makes it simple. And and um, you wouldn't probably be surprised, Sarah, that most people do exactly what you do. They order in the middle of the night. Because we come to the office every morning <laughs> and there are literally hundreds of orders that came in between, you know, like 6 p.m. and 5 a.m. Yeah, that's when I had to get my best work done because my child is asleep. (laughs) Right. Yes. (laughs) Talk a little bit about the food service side of things. Okay. Uh, Because you you supply food for food service. And so that means um, restaurants, grocery stores. Uh, Restaurants, hotels college and universities, uh, cruise lines at one time, not too much today. Um, and um, I mean, any, any uh, what we consider like off-premise, away from home. Uh, we do a lot of convenience stores and um, we work through commissaries to produce products for grocery chains as well. That's cool. How do, how do you get into that? Like, I know we have a lot of makers that um, want to supply to things like hot food bars and places like that. Is And so is it something that they, if they had something they wanted to develop, they could go to you to co-pack or you just do the regular fruit? Um, we are not uh, currently engaged in co-packing, but um, we're very fortunate on the West Coast to have a lot of co-packers and people yeah. who specifically do that for a living. I know Sarah works a lot with those types of um, uh, manufacturers who are uh, literally doing private label for uh, especially a lot of smaller companies. And of course, we're always, if they're incorporating fruit, then of course, we're happy to help find a, a co-manufacturing facility for them as well. I'll give you a plug, Sarah. I, I think that's one of the great things about um, the, um, you know, the Innovation Center is that it, it is a little bit of one-stop shopping. Um, Sarah not only helps with formulation, but finding suppliers and co-manufacturing. And so um, I think that definitely um, Oregon is very lucky to have a facility like that. Yeah, I think I have two or we have two or three projects working yeah. with you. Two, of, <clears throat> two of mine are dairy projects. One of them actually launched. It's a, uh, I think it's Marionberry, right? Yep. Marionberry um, milk. Yeah, it's a Marionberry milk. It's being made down. Actually, they're going to be on the show in October, so we'll get to learn more about it. But it's at a tiny little creamery called Rising Sun Farms. Yeah, it's that's really exciting. cool. I think they just nice. sell at the farmer's market. 
Yeah, it's nice that organ fruit is there for, um, you know, people that want to sell things at the market because you do have to source, you know, there's a, there's different rules at different markets where you have to source things locally. And so mm-hmm. it's nice that something like organ fruit exists to be able to still be using an organ agricultural product and, um, you know, be supporting the state because that's important to the farmer's market. Um, and sometimes it's hard to find that when you're looking for ingredients. It's hard to find things that are that are local. Yeah. And the second product I'm working on is a drinkable yogurt that we're going to use, I think, four or five of your fruits. Yep. And that's that's wonderful. And um, we have a beverage um, project with you as well. Yeah. Very exciting. Functional beverages. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, um, I, I think one of the wonderful things that I see is how many amazing, innovative people are in the Portland area. Um, And, you know, all the way down to Salem and the, you know, we'll go all the way to Grants Pass. Um, But how um, they're using this time to really be innovative and to develop, I think, some really interesting and marketable products. Yes. It's very, very wholesome Mm -hmm. and tasty innovation. Was there a first product that Organ Fruit started with? Was it, I, mean, you know, I know you mentioned the cherries, but was that the initial product well, line? Our initial product, dark sweet cherries and red tart cherries. And then, do you think that, go ahead. <laughs> do you think that's the um, product that tells the story best? Or do you think there's one that, you know, talks about what you do more? Well, I definitely think that that's, you know, on the retail side, that, tells the story about not just um, product, but, you know, a legacy brand that's been around for so long and how recognizable that black label is um, and, and really how we tie um, the products that we can specifically to the Willamette Valley. I mean, that's really important to us. So our, our blackberries, our raspberries, boysenberries, um, are all, um, you know, being harvested locally. Red tart cherries come from Michigan. Unfortunately, we don't have enough red tarts in the um, Oregon area to um, meet our manufacturing needs, but all of our dark sweet cherries are from Washington and Oregon. Becky, could you tell us a little bit about going to food shows? Sure. Um, well, pre COVID-19, yes. it was really a big mainstay of our business because there really is no better way to introduce your products than to put them into the mouths of attendees at a food show. And we have always prided ourselves on um, doing very unique applications for trade shows to show people how diverse our products are, everything from canned products that we would show at something like the um, uh, fancy food show with the Specialty Food Association to uh, huge events with 100,000 attendees like the National Restaurant Association in Chicago. How do you plan for samples for 100,000 people? That's crazy. Well, fortunately, I would say... um, it's a little bit of pre-planning based on history. Oh, so good. I started attending uh, the National Restaurant Association show about, ooh, I want to say it was 91, a lot of, a lot of years ago. And so... Um, Almost 30. Yeah. Over the years, I've learned. And, you know, times change. There were times when the show was a lot more popular, less popular. I've been there with great big manufacturers and startups, both. So um, it's a great way, though, to get in front of people and you learn what kind of the traffic flow is on a daily basis. But we would do we would sample um, somewhere in the area of um, three to five thousand drinks a day, a day, a day. Yeah, for uh, four days. So you saw about 40%, well, 30 to 40% of the people came to your booth. Yep. 
That's amazing. I know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see now how, um, you know, life changes and how we will start interacting with um, our food service customers. It'll yeah. be different. And how we access new customers, because that'll be different as well. Yeah. It's challenging, isn't it? It have is. You thought of, have you thought of any new sort of ways of interacting with consumers? Well, of course, you know, uh, virtual, that um, is, I think, going to be a big part of, at least for the near term, of how we interact with customers. Um, I think we have to be a lot more um, creative about how we reach out via, you know, the um, internet, you know, what, what we're doing in the way of, of emailing our customers and then personal contact, because that's really what this business is all about. Yeah. So, you know, with our existing customers, the opportunity to just reach out to them via telephone every once in a while to check on how they're doing and how we can help them grow their business even in these times. And then the other thing is that you've got a couple of um, of kind of new format. Um, sh- I don't even want to call them shows. They're more of a personal event. And uh, so it's much, much smaller, uh, far more intimate. Um, we'll see. There's a, a event coming up in October if, uh, you know, things continue to improve. Um, I'm hoping that it will happen. But it's just a smaller venue with, um, you know, just less people, less contact, you know, social distancing or physical distancing put in place, but still with the, um, the personal contact that uh, we have seen in the food business in general, I think. One of the questions I always ask people is, <clears throat> if you could choose a movie star to represent your company, who would it be? <laughs> but I think I should ask you, is there a movie star that loves your products that you've heard from? Uh, actually, a few. Uh, the people from Guy Fieri have contacted us. Nice. Uh, a couple of food, food show people have contacted us. Uh, P- Rachel Ray. You know, it's it's really interesting who uh, who uh, talks to you. One of the more fun things we've ever done, though, is when uh, they were filming Supernatural in Portland. Yeah. They asked for pro- our product to be the backdrop in the grocery store oh. when the the stars were shopping, they actually had gone into a convenience store. And so they had, which we don't sell our products in convenience stores, but but they had a whole lineup of organ fruit uh, in the grocery store. And now that, that uh, normally you would pay for a product placement. That was a freebie because they wanted to have 100% um, Oregon um, type products represented in the shop. That that's pretty cool because your labels are really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask about because we talk about labeling and packaging a lot. And it, you have such this iconic, um, you know, black and gold label. Has it changed over time or has it always been it the same? It has changed, but it's been um, the, the, uh, that black label for quite a while. Um, one thing that's really interesting is um, the uh, Gaylor family the former owners of Oregon Fruit, they used to put these little interesting sayings on the cans. And we have all of the old labels dating back to almost, I believe, 1935 in our our little uh, library of uh, historical items. Um, It's also fun to know that we, when we moved from our old, production facility into our new, we had some equipment like a hand canner and a, an apple core. <laughs> These things that literally dated back to 1935 was uh, quite, quite the uh, museum of items. Will you have a little display of those in the new space for people to see? 
No, I asked for that. <laughs> I didn't get that. <laughs> Maybe in your next building on your campus, you can have a museum. Well, that would be really wonderful if we could do that. That would because agritourism is really powerful. Yeah. And that's a yeah. great way for families to learn about the agricultural community in Oregon. Well, and for people like me that are into like canning and preserving and that kind of stuff, like that's interesting for us to come and see like the process of it. But even as on the food manufacturer side, because, uh, you know, I mean, I think about the times that I was like squeezing every lemon by hand (laughs) and like, you know, peeling every piece of garlic. And then just even in the small amount of time that I've been a food producer, things have changed completely, but it reminds you of where you started, you know? So it's nice to see bigger companies go through the same process. Like I think people would find it interesting. Yeah. I think we have some um, in that we've saved, we have some old handwritten, um, um, they're the reports of when we used to get fresh fruit in, um, they will now it's all computerized, but they used to have a ticket and they'd literally handwrite it and attach it to the container. And we've got a whole bundle of those that, um, that we've saved from over the years. It's quite fascinating. They were in a hidden room in our old plant. Uh, literally a hidden room. They had uh, shelves and shelves of old um, artifacts from our business that were uh, locked away that no one had seen for years and years. And then when it came time to pack up and move, we discovered them all. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I I mean, if you think about it, even old brands were new at one time. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, we're always looking for that next new product that is um, really a, a homage to fruit that we can um, introduce to our loyal uh, customers because, you know, times change, we have to change with them. And so innovation is a huge part of where we are today to, um, to really to address the next generations of loyal fruit fans. Well, we want to be able to lead those fans to you. So if there's people that want to buy organ fruit after hearing this episode, do they do that is the best way through the website or should they go to a certain store? How can they get it? Well, of course we are, um, um, of it. You can purchase through us directly. Um, we are available on Amazon.com and on Walmart.com if you want to um, do the easy way. And then, of course, we're in almost every store chain in the Portland area. Almost Great. everyone. <laughs> so pretty, pretty easy to find. Pretty easy to find. <laughs> That's good. Well, we, um, you know, it sounds like a lot of our food entrepreneurs um, can source from you and their success kind of leads, you know, to yours because you get these new customers that build. So I was wondering if you have any advice for people that are aspiring aspiring food entrepreneurs. Well, um, I definitely think that um, there's so much opportunity today with food. And so, um my advice would be do your research, um, make sure that uh, you're sourcing your products with um, companies that can help you in more ways than just delivering a product to you for a price. And um, I think really to find those partnerships that can allow you to grow and expand along with your product line. I think that's great advice. And I think people now know that they can come to you and you'll help them with that. Absolutely. We love helping. That's great. Well, I, I think that's nice because as a, you know, a food manufacturer, sometimes when I, if I buy things from someone and it doesn't seem like they care that I'm buying it from them or they care about if my business matters to them, then I don't buy from them again, you know, because it's like, I want to support you if you want that. And I want you to support me because that's part of being a food community, you know? So if people like don't seem interested that I'm ordering something or they don't seem to care if my business, 
is successful or grows, then I'm like, well, I'll just find somebody else that cares. Well, and you never know. Um, you know, every customer is important to us. Yeah. Small, very small. I'll go there. Very small up to the very largest. And, um, you know, we've, like I said, have had some amazing success stories with customers that started in their garage. So um, it's important for us to be able to have a personal interaction and relationship with every one of our customers. I just want to say, I think Becky is like a true icon here in the Northwest. And the way (gasps) that she does her job is amazing. Thank you so much. It's very nice of you to say that. That's really lovely. Well, it was, unfortunately, we're out of time. Darn it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I could talk to you about fruit forever, but we have to wrap it up. So we want to thank you for joining us today and sharing your story and the story of Oregon Fruit Products. It was really lovely to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining. Market of Choice is Oregon's largest independent family-owned grocery store. With 10 stores in Oregon, it's all about choice. We focus on having a wide selection of the finest and freshest conventional, natural, organic, local, and health-conscious products. We have more than 1,300 teammates, including real, authentic chefs, bakers, butchers, cheesemongers, florists, and more. We all strive to create an authentic, relaxing, and enjoyable shopping experience with our customers and truly care about the communities where our teammates and customers live and work. To find the Market of Choice nearest you, visit our website at www.marketofchoice.com. At Market of Choice, we buy local, so you can too. We record Missoni and Marshall live every week. You can tune in on Fridays at 9 a.m. or find us on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you could submit that idea to startupradio.com or contact us through Instagram. Until next week, thanks for joining us, everybody. Bye for now. Committed to serving Oregonians with the mission of advancing science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are inspired by the creativity of new food development. We strive to find new flavors, new economic opportunities, new experiences, and honor diversity. We are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace because good food brings people together. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.